Christ that is not hopeless. My hope is built on His coming again to receive me unto Himself. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain. There's going to be people alive and remaining on the earth when Jesus comes again, and the Bible says He's going to take us to Himself. And He said, So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, it is not comforting to a sinner to hear that Jesus may come unexpectedly and take those that know the Lord. It is not comforting to a backslidden believer who, uh, who knows and believes but doesn't practice the coming again of the Lord in the clouds to receive His own. Now, there are some reasons this morning that I want to give you quickly, briefly, and simply uh, why I believe that Jesus Christ is coming sooner than soon. Number one, the sinners are rampant. The sinners are rampant. We're not living in a generation anymore where sinners are hidden with their transgressions. We're living in a generation and we're living in an age when a man will boast and will brag and will flaunt uh, his wicked living and his worthless lifestyle. Am I right about it? I came up in a generation, most of you came up in a generation, where people would sneak around and do something and hope they didn't get caught. And when they did, they were just absolutely brokenhearted over it because they knew they was going to have to pay the fine or pay the penalty. Nowadays, people will just walk up to you and blatantly dare you to challenge any authority that you might have against them or they might have against you. We're living in a day when sinners are rampant. We're living in a day when a million and a half babies are killed and butchered every year in this country, and very few people want to say much about it anymore. I don't like to talk about it either. But the fact is, it's nothing for somebody to live a street life, I mean, lay up like a dog, if you please, and then just go somewhere and get an appointment and get it fixed. And then if you don't like it, or you have something to say to that person, you're invading their privacy or their rights. Drugs and alcohol uh, are flowing in our streets worse than they ever have. Same-sex partners are fighting for their right to adopt children and have an equality with heterosexual family members. And right now, there is a squabble in Congress, and there's a squabble in New York City over uh, the people who got killed in the tragedy of 9-11 at the Twin Towers. They are fighting over whether or not same-sex partners, uh, one was killed in the wreckage or the carnage, and the other one wasn't, should they pay a family benefit to the one that was living with the same-sex partner. Ladies and gentlemen, I promise you this, in my generation they would have never admitted that they were doing that. It would have never come out publicly. That would have been taken care of behind closed doors, but not anymore. Why? 
because we're living in the era, we're living in the generation, we're living in the age when Jesus said, I'm coming back for that which is mine, and I will make that which is not mine to be revealed as not mine as I come and get mine. Can somebody give God praise and glory that right in the middle of a point like this, we can say, thank God, thank God we know the Lord. We're living in an age, in a generation where pornography has become a disease. Marriage is laughed at while adultery and divorce are not only accepted but honored. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe because sinners are rampant and sin is rampant in America and in this world, I believe that's the description of the generation that Jesus said He'd come back to. Men and women are doing as they please. Boys and girls will curse you to your face. They will stand up in services where I go. It is not unusual at all for me to be preaching in a city somewhere on a Monday or a Tuesday night to have a boy or a girl challenge publicly or to verbally do what they can to retaliate against the preaching of the pulpit. I mean with mannerisms, with gestures, or with their body language, or just get up and leave. I was preaching in this building over here one Thursday night years ago, and a soldier was seated on the front row of the auditorium when it was in the fellowship hall. And I was preaching and giving God's Word, simple truth, basic doctrine, line upon line, precept upon precept, just giving it like God said it. That man took his tie on his army uniform, pulled it around to the side of his neck, and got my attention and pulled it up like that, as if to say, if you keep that up, I'm going to choke you. I thought, just how diligent will he be in his stupidity? I thought, how far will he take uh, such a... Uh, 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 a majority church and a minority person, I thought, how far will he take it? Well, I just bared down a little bit and put a little sauce on the barbecue. Hallelujah. I just figured I'd see how hard he could take it. And I just geared it up a little bit. Bless the Lord. In a minute, he took both hands. And he pulled that tie around and he jerked on it. And I looked at him and I thought, dear God, let him choke himself right here in church and let him fall out in the building if that's what he wants to do. I mean, he pulled it up tight. I said, give me that, give me that hot Tabasco, hot Pete. Give me that Steve Hurt special. I covered the meat up with some red sauce. Little bitty Mexicans was dancing and jumping on the meat. I'm talking about little red seeds was a-hopping. And bless God, he jumped up. Harry Shelton was in here. He knows exactly what happened. He jumped up went halfway down the row, turned around, flipped me a gesture with his hand, and went out the back door. I said, Brother Harry, what do you reckon was wrong with him? He said, wasn't nothing wrong, preacher. you just number one with him. I guess it's all how you look at it, brother. May I say something to you tonight today? You and I are not going to the generation. You and, you and I are not going to the crowd Jesus is coming to. 
You and I are not waiting for that group uh, to evolve. We're living in the generation where sinners are rampant. Paul told Timothy, he said, Know, you th- know this, know this, that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. And then he lists the perilous times, unfaithful, unwilling, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, blasphemous. We're living in a generation when men will look up at God and shake their fist in His face and damn His name. You say, they've always done it. Let me say something to you as nice as I can. They've not always done it where you could see it. Let me ask you a question. What is the antidote for the positioning of a correct position in that generation? The only correct position in that generation of rampant sinners is give your life to Jesus Christ and everybody that's saved said, Amen. Number two. Number two. The servants are retiring. Are retreating. The s- are retreating. We see more discouragement. We see more giving up. We see more quitting. We see more horse changing. We see more willingness to throw the towel in today with the servants of the church than we've ever seen in any generation before us. 1 Timothy 4, 1-3 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that is the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. I want you to notice three quick things. I'm not going to be able to say much about them, but three quick things this portion of Scripture says. Number one, it says that the religious church of that generation that Jesus is talking about that He'll come back to is a church that will deny the faith more and more. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll hear me harp on this Bible. You'll hear me scream about this version. You'll hear me hold this Bible up and trumpet its truth. You'll see me stand firm. You'll even have me to become overbearing. You'll have me to take time. Sometimes maybe you think I shouldn't to holler and scream and explain and expound on the truth of this book. But the reason I do it, I'm seeing people get wayward. I'm seeing people leave it. I'm seeing religion leave it. I'm seeing churches deny it. I'm seeing this book pushed back in the dusty corners of religion. I'm seeing all kinds of departing from the faith. And it's high time that somebody stood up and said, this is what we stand on. Give Him glory. The faith here is not talking about they'll deny the existence of God. It's not talking about the faith that they'll deny the existence of Jesus Christ. The faith means they will not believe the policies of this Bible that goes across the grain of their lifestyle. What does it mean, preacher? 
It just means they'll say, we ought to be merciful, we ought to be kind, we ought to be loving. And I'm going to say amen to all three of those. But I will not say this, and let anything go because you're not to judge them. I'm not anybody's judge. I have a book of rules and regulations. I have a book of explanation. I have a book of inspiration. I have a book of expectation. I have a God who called me to do this, a God who anointed me to do this, and until He kills me graveyard dead, I'll stand up and kick my loafers 40 feet, throw my coat to the back wall, shout glory, hallelujah, and say, we will not deny faith that God has given us. Where would you be this morning had Jesus not come and got you? The faith that was preached the night you got saved is the faith you need to hold on to. The church will deny the faith more and more. Number two, the end-time religion will listen to seducing spirits. It says, For there shall arise false Christ, Matthew 24, 24. And false prophets, and this generation Jesus comes back to, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. That is, those that know they're saved, those that are hard rock for God, those that stand on the right Bible, stand on the right kind of praying, stand on the right kind of redemption. If it were possible, there's going to be powers in this world in the last days that would even remove the very elect from their stand if it were possible. Why isn't it possible? Because the good Holy Ghost will stand our ground for us and the good Spirit of God will beat down the doctrine of devils and the seducing spirits to the point we won't have to worry about them. Steve, listen to this. Uh, yesterday in a newspaper, uh, Wheaton, Illinois, Wheaton College is one of the has been one of the bulwarks of the faith. Wheaton and Moody have exchanged philosophies and preachers and classes and choruses for years. Wheaton is an evangelical college that has stood for principles. Listen, listen, let, let, let me give you this right here. Wheaton College is a Christian evangelical school. It has lifted its rules against on-campus dancing and has decided to allow faculty and staff to drink alcohol and smoke off campus. No liquor or tobacco is allowed on campus, God forbid. God forbid. Can't bring it on the campus. Now, they're, they're keeping the standards. Uh, and at college events and undergraduates remain barred from drinking. However, the students can have on-campus dances if they avoid behavior which may be immodest, sinfully erotic, are harmfully violent. <laughs> In his statement announcing the changes, the president explained that the policy, now listen, had not been revised for three decades and needed a review in light of culture changes. He goes on to say, on Christian campuses and new laws, faculty, staff, and graduate students have been directed to use, uh, in quotations, careful and loving discretion in the use of alcohol. 
Now, you know, that, to you, that sounds revolting. To most of you. Now, there's some of you in here going to give a rat, you know, you just don't. And I'll stop at the rat right there. Because you bother me. But I'll move on because you're tired. But that's the only reason I won't stop and cut your rat's tail off. You better thank God at the moment. We need you and your rat. All right? But we're living in a day when seducing spirit says, if you're going to get the hog's business, you've got to get in the hog's pen. Act like the hog, look like the hog, talk like the hog, sing like the hog, and be like the hog. <laughs> May I say something to you? The house of God is supposed to be different from the house of normality. If you're not going to come in here and hear something that's going to be different than what you hear out there, why do you want to bring what's out there in here and listen to it? This ought to be a Bible base. And I know this bothers some of you. I know. I know. But, but see, every, every once in a while, I must tell you that there is seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's the third one. The end-time church or the end-time religion will be seduced with doctrines of devils. People who are not saved milking their way into people who are and finding quickly that they can become responsible because they have a little money. And all of a sudden, you've got people making ridiculous policies like that jack leg I just read. Oh, by the way, Moody cut all ties with Wheaton over this kind of tomfoolery. Praise God. You say, well, preacher, I drink, and I have a... They've got a class day at 5.30 if you get sober. And before I save, living like the devil, and in the hog lot with the pigs, and oink, with that crowd, I drank too. But when I got saved, I didn't quit drinking, I changed fountains. I suggest you get you another toddy. I suggest you get you another toddy. And oh, by the way, <laughs> that ain't never going to change as long as I'm here. You say, we'll get rid of you. It won't take much. <laughs> it won't take a lot if you decide in a majority that's what you want to be. Because I promise you this, I've, co I've come too far to look back. Hey, I done got me a good old-fashioned hold on God's eternal salvation. I think I'll just stay with him, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe he's coming because the servants are retiring. Oh, my soul. Look at the third one. Number three, the sinners are rampant. The servants are retreating. And the signs are right. Oh, yes, the signs are right. Matthew 16, 3. Luke 21, 11, Luke 21, 25, John 4, 48, and John 20, and verse number 30 talks about the signs, great signs shall there be from heaven, one of them says. The other one says that we can interpret the sun, the moon, and the stars, 
and find out when it's going to rain and when it's going to snow. But it says we're so hypocritical that we can't determine the signs of the times. There are some signs that are right. Number one, let me give it to you. The church will and is denying the faith. Well, let me see. That's the wrong page. Hallelujah to God. Woo! Here's the page. Get on off of here. Amen. Here it is. Israel. Israel becoming a nation. This happened in May the 14th, 1948. And in the Six-Day War of 1967, Jerusalem was taken as her captive. Ezekiel 37, 8 says, And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above. Talking about the bones, the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. But there was no breath in them. Israel becoming a nation. Israel going back to her roots. Israel being called back to the homeland where God said that He would rule and reign in the millennium with that bunch of Jews. May I say something to you today? They've been coming. Russia said we'll not turn them loose. I mean, every country that's had a high populace of Jews says we'll not cut them free. In every state God has, in every nation, God has torn down the walls of partition. And those people are going back to Israel by the scores and by the thousands. May I say something to you? Jesus said that I'll come back to that generation. I'll come back in that A.C.'s Israel as a budding fig tree. That fig tree began to bud. It began to bloom. Jesus said this. He said that generation that sees that fig tree bud and blossom shall not pass until they see the coming of the Son of Man. I don't know how long a generation is. Some have said 20. Some have said 60. Some have said 40. Some have said 100. I am not here today to tell you when Jesus is coming. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is coming. I don't know the hour nor the date, neither do you and neither does He. But praise God, I don't have to know the hour. As long as I know the man who's coming, I'll go with Him when He gets here. I'm not worried whether it'll be morning, noon, or night. I'm just concerned that I'm right. When He comes, Jesus said, I'll come to the generation that sees that fig tree bud. If it's 60 years, that's 2008. I don't have a clue of when. I don't know when. I don't even care when. I just know this. Preparations must be made. Israel becoming a nation. Number two, here's another one. The formulation of a cashless society and a one-world currency. These are signs that are right. They're going back to Israel by the droves. And we're living in a generation and an age that's sitting on the edge of a credit card, debit card, economical society. You can't hardly go anywhere anymore that somebody is not trying to give you one of those cards or help you use one of those cards or receive it to use from you with one of those cards. I don't see a thing in the world wrong with it. I'm not saying you ought not have credit cards. 
I am saying this. We are going to a cashless situation. We are converting, before it's over, into a one-world currency. We already have an experimentation on the table with the euro dollar in Europe, and they're fastly coming to a place to where it's going to be controlled by one currency, one pot, one political machine running it, and out of it shall come the Antichrist who will set on the ten-horned, seven-headed beast and will prove to the world that he has a peace offer that will work for three and a half years. But ladies and gentlemen, we are on our way to a cashless society. I heard yesterday, I was reading some stuff that says you can type in the computer any word you want to in English, and it can go to a computer in Belgium. It can go to a computer in German, Germany. It can go to a computer in Iraq. And it will translate immediately into Iraqi or German from English. We're speaking basically one language by computer. And communication and world communication, the Bible says, ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. The database for information today and the technology world is greater than it's ever been. And we're living in that generation that's going to see it all come to pass and Jesus come again. You can take an American Express card, you can stick it into a televenue, and you can wire money from American Express at a bank here in town. You can wire it to Switzerland and it will come out in Swiss money on the other end. They have basically gotten it to where it's all controlled now by a push of the button. And they are saying that the euro dollar, quote, and I'm quoting, is the finances of the future. We're living in a day and an age when the Bible says, Revelation 17 and 18, that there will be a conglomerate that comes out of that European common market or that European Union that will basically rule the world. There has not been any country that has ruled the world since the Romans did it. And one of them that ruled the world that I think is going to be revived was Babylon. There was the Greco the Grecian gov- uh, 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 powers, uh, there, there was the, the Persians, uh, there was Babylon, and there was the emperors of Rome that run it. And out of that, one that was, that is not, that shall be, he's going to come to power out of that group. I wish I could get into that. What a study. What a blessing to see that. But out of that, did you know that Saddam Hussein has built a Babylonian city in Iraq. And they said he was so close to finishing when the, Iran- the, Iran- the Iranians and the war in I- in, uh, in, uh, between Iraq and Iran broke out and he had to stop. They say he is so close to completion now, it is the direct replica of Nebuchadnezzar's rule in Babylon. <laughs> and out of that region... Out of that accumulation of nations, out of that Muslim rule, is going to come temporary power. 
And it's going to come, I believe, out of that revived Babylonian empire. And out of it is going to come the Antichrist. Ladies and gentlemen, we're seeing it happen. Here's the third one. And I have one more and I quit. A one world government is being assembled before our eyes. We can't go to war without ten people to vote for. What is that? It's a new, Mr. Bush said it, a new world order. They're already calling it the European Union. They're already saying we will not be able in the future to do anything without complete agreement. <laughs> we could have already smushed him like a bug. <laughs> but we've got to tell him for six months that we're going to smush him like a bug so he cannot become a bug and hide his bug. Why? Because we must go through the United Nations. And trust me, that whole conglomerate is just years from setting up a potentate. I said, I believe Jesus is coming sooner than soon. The revealing of the Antichrist will take place. The powers of revelation will kick in. And praise God, the powers of heaven will just before that. And we'll be drawn out of here, praise God, into the clouds of glory. Who will preacher? Those who are walking with God and love Him in power and glory. Give Him praise if you believe that. The signs are right. When you see Israel become a nation, look out. That generation will be the generation I'll return to. The formulation of a cashless society and a world world a one world currency. That is just that that's not that's not even close anymore. It's not the door. A one world government being assembled right before our eyes in our own view. We're seeing on CNN every day France is withstanding their vote or withholding their vote. We're seeing Germany is not far off. You know, I thought the other day, Brother Riff. Both of those people would be in the bottom of the ocean if we hadn't sent boys over there to stop the ungodly communism that was coming in on that crowd. And we can't get a vote with them? <laughs> well, let's just include them in whatever we're going to do when we go over there and just deal whatever we've got to deal and come back and get us quarter oil on the way. We can't, but that, that can't happen. <laughs> Why can't a redneck run this thing for about two years? Him. I tell you why. Because the book's already been written. And ain't nothing going to change it. I'm praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm, pe I'm praying for Israel. And I'm praying for Jesus to come. That's the two things I'm commanded to pray for. And then there's wars and rumors of war. How many of you know what it means to hear a rumor of war? <laughs> We're sitting on the edge of our seat with 250,000 military people sitting on the G looking for the O. Rumors every day we're going to fight. Rumors. It says rumors, war, and rumors of war. I don't know what they're going to do. I have no idea. I'm too busy looking up. I'm not looking over. But I sure am glad to know this morning that Jesus is coming again and the signs 
are right. They are. And let me give you one last one real quick, and I'll just mention the spiritual are rejoicing. <laughs> That's why I know Jesus is coming back. I know a lot of happy people who are rejoicing over the fact that He's coming back to get them. And if I know Him, He likes happy people. And if I know Him as well as I think I do and as well as I think He likes happy people, I think He's going to come get Him a bunch of happy people real soon. And a bunch of happy people are going to be taken to a happy place and leave that whole crowd with this mess. I said, praise God, He's coming again. Coming back. And I'm glad that the signs are certainly right. And the spiritual are rejoicing. As Moses chose not to live in a convenient Egypt, so does this church of happy people choose to march with the Lord Jesus Christ and not the world. As Joseph tore loose and ran from a common Jezebel leaving his coat, so shall this church of rejoicing people run to his grace and mercy. As the Hebrew boys would not bow or bend to Nebuchadnezzar, so shall this crowd lock their knees and stand for Christ Jesus. As Daniel prayed three times a day, no matter what they thought, no matter who liked it or not, so shall this worshiping church of today shout over the fact Jesus is coming. As Joseph suffered in his body, or Job rather suffered in his body, and cried out to God, so shall we. As Simon Peter uh, requested to walk on the waves of dark Galilee, so shall this church today walk in the darkness waiting on their Redeemer. As Thomas cried, My Lord and my God, so shall this Spirit-filled church walk in the power and declare the glory of God. As Paul preached with power and glory, so shall this church of preachers march like a mighty preaching army and preach the Word of God. As John the Revelator said on the Isle of Patmos, in isolation and socially alone, so shall we neglect political correctness, government approval, and social acceptation to shout the victory that Jesus is coming back. This church will stand like a mighty army, locked and loaded with the gospel of holiness and love. Look into the eastern sky for its captain and Lord to come and take her out of here. I say with John, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Give Him praise and glory. Amen. Stand up with me. He's coming back. He's coming soon. How many of you pile out them pews this morning and you'd come and thank God that you're in that proud crowd of saints that's going to go marching in. You'd come and thank Him for saving you when you needed saving the worst. All over the building. Hallelujah to His blessed name. Praise to you. Lord Jesus, what a moment it's going to be, Father, when You finally do this. When You finally come and break the eastern skies, when You finally mount that cloud and come back, Lord Jesus, not as a lamb, but as a lion. And God, we're looking for that moment. We're living for that moment, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray You would help us to live in reality, Father. Lord, the reality, Lord Jesus, that we're not going to face those years that are to come, Father. And we're not going to live through it, dear God, but with a great mighty shout, You're going to snatch us out of here. And God, we're looking yes. for that day and hanging on that moment, Father. And I pray You would help us to indeed live in the spirit of Your coming. In Jesus' name. Our Father... 
I'm not so naive this morning as to think that you gave me this thought and burned it on my heart all night that people would sit here and we would think they was all saved. God, I believe there's people that will be left behind. There's people that are going to be on planet Earth when the church of God is on streets of gold. God, I want to ask you today in Jesus' name to save to the uttermost. I want you to save absolutely. I want you to call somebody in here this morning and bring them to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to bring some backslidden child of God, barely, backslidden child of God, I mean by the skin of their teeth, I mean so as by fire, I pray you'd draw them closer this morning and bring them back into a walk with God that means something. I pray, O oh God, we'd see the soonness of His appearing. I pray, O oh God, we'd see the swiftness of His coming. I pray, God, we'd see the, the soonness of His return. Oh, I believe Jesus is coming sooner than soon. Nothing stops you from splitting that sky today. Nothing is halting you from coming again. And Lord... I pray in Jesus' name the Holy Spirit of God would touch people's lives this morning. Please, Lord, by Thy omnipotent power, do what nobody can do and save lost people. Bring lost folk to a saving knowledge of God. And we'll thank You, Lord. We'll give You glory and praise for what You do. In the name of Jesus, God, we've given all we've got, got to give. God, we've said all we know to say. God, we've sweated down to our socks. Help us, Lord, this morning. I pray to see fruit. To see fruit by the Holy Ghost. Not by our goodness. Not by our perfection. Not by our holiness. But by the good power of God for Jesus' sake. Would you do something today in Jesus' wonderful and precious name? Steve's playing something for us on the piano as he plays I wonder who in this room this morning would say preacher I'm a Christian